TotallyTickets.com presents the franchise Oklahoma City Thunder first take postgame show on 1077 The Franchise and 1079 The Franchise Tulsa. The Oklahoma City Thunder, losers of six straights as they host the second place Philadelphia 76ers. 76ers 117-93 winners over the Thunder. Joel Embiid, the MVP candidate, showed out 27 points, 19 rebounds for the former Kansas star. Ben Simmons, not too bad. 13 points, just three assists. Darius Baisley and Lou Dort return for the Thunder. Uh, Baisley leads the way, 17 points, 9 rebounds. Tony Bradley gets in there with a big double-double, his first in Thunder Orange, 16 points and 14 boards. And Lou Dort, 15 points, 5 rebounds. I am Ryan Chapman, joined by the lovely, the talented Christine Butterfield. Christine, how are you? I'm great. It's so nice having someone appreciate me whenever Brady hosts. He literally just goes, oh, and this is Christine, and then gives Matt Burton endless compliments so thank you i really appreciate you well christine you are very lovely you are very talented and you are very intelligent we can't wait to pick into that big brain of yours but first we have to introduce you know your favorite producer's favorite producer he's my favorite producer he's my favorite producer you know and we've officially given him the one month morning or one month warning for franchise pool parties so he's about to be the most ripped producer in all the land matt burton What's up, dude? What's going on? It's been—I feel like it's been a while since we've uh, seen each other, Ryan. I know. I, so it's nice to see you. It's been a—it's been a whirlwind of a month, guys. Let, yeah. me, let me tell you that. Ryan's the just to peek behind the curtain here. Ryan is the busiest man I think that we have here at the franchise. So, um, good on you, Ryan. I, I, I'm glad everything's uh, everything's going well. You're staying busy. I put on a lot of miles last month. Yeah. <laughs> Road yeah. trip into—I've been to Dallas twice, Indianapolis. The Chesapeake Energy Arena. Like, we're just all over the place. This is what we do on the franchise. We give you all the coverage everywhere. All over, all over. Now, guys, let's get back to the game here. Like I said, uh, Philadelphia 117 to 93 winners here. And honestly, with Lou Dort and Darius Baisley stepping back into the lineup after that Cleveland game, Mark Dagnall, he, he kind of hinted at this potentially. Um, he, he basically said help is on the way. Hopefully reinforcements will be joining the team over the next few days. Baisley and Dort stepped right back into it. Dort had an unfortunate opening in that first minute. I think he had uh, his first shot up was a, a rejection by Mr. Theibel, and, and then he had a turnover. But after that, guys, Lou Dort kind of settled in. Darius Baisley, like we said, paced the thunder in scoring. Had a third quarter to forget, which we'll dive into. But I guess, Christine, I'll, I'll start with you. What were your impressions of both Darius Baisley and Lou Dort? Because Bays missed basically a month. Lou mm-hmm. Dort's been gone for about two and a half weeks. And uh, like we said, the Philadelphia 76ers are a very good basketball team, especially on the defensive end of the floor. That's not the easiest matchup just to say, hey guys, they've been hanging out on the bench, but just go out there. Yeah, especially since Darius Baisley, we've talked about this here, that he's been my biggest question mark moving forward because he was pretty inconsistent from when he was playing before he got injured. And whenever... Aleski Pokashevsky was playing. He's improved. Moses Brown has shown that he can show flashes here and there. And he's been, you know, a double-double king kind of coming in for the Thunder. So I did not know how Darius Baisley was going to look fitting into this lineup once again. And I thought that he showed everyone that he didn't, like, he didn't skip a beat. He was right there. He scored the first three for the Thunder. The next play, he also scored again. And it just seemed like his chemistry was right there and that's exactly where he wanted him to be and you can just tell that I think his basketball IQ just from watching his team play has gone up dramatically because he he was just sitting on the bench watching these scenarios play through and I saw him making decisions much quicker I saw him looking at the floor in a more competitive way and seeing him be able to make these decisions quicker and find his shot, also see his players, his teammates open. 
I thought he made a lot of big strides tonight, and I don't know if that's going to stay consistent because that was kind of my biggest problem with Darius Baisley in the beginning was he never seemed to be able to string a good number of games together where that looked the same. So I'm looking forward to seeing how well he plays moving forward. Yeah, and you talked about that mental growth there. Mark Dagnall singled out um, before today's game and basically said something along those lines of uh, he continues to see the mental progression of Darius Baisley. And I think for Thunder fans, especially after the first half of the season that Baisley had, that's what they want to hear. But Matt, uh, the other guy that returned to the lineup tonight, Lou Dort, uh, it, it took him a little bit, but he kind of got it cooking late. Finished strong there. Uh, he had seven points in the third quarter, seven of his 15. What'd you think of the uh, Canadian Canadian defensive stopper getting tossed back into the lineup tonight? Yeah, I'm a um, huge fan of Lou Dort. I think the, the first half, I think he was kind of pressing a little bit too much. I think he was trying to like, okay, I'm back here. There's no Shea still. Like, I'm going to go be the guy. And I think he just needs to let... Let it come to him a little bit more. Like let let the uh, offense play through and not try to force too much. I thought he was trying to force a little bit too much on offense. And then the second half, I mean, he just like I said, let let the game kind of come to him and uh, looked like he settled in a bit more. And I mean, his defense was, I mean, still, I mean, that's not it, gonna it's leave. fantastic. That's not going to leave. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's just his brand. You know, like that's who he is. You're never going to see him play a subpar game of defense. That's his go-to. I, I think, Defense travels. Yeah, I, I think unfortunately for the Thunder, because of the nature of Philadelphia's roster, there's not that guy that you're going right. to toss Dort out on and say lock him down because you're not going to put him on Simmons. That that the the size is a mismatch there. And, and honestly, if you play Simmons correctly, you don't have to do a whole lot. Right. You just have to mitigate his ball movement, which we'll get into that in the second segment. You're not going to put Dort on Embiid. So then after that, who are you saying? Okay, do you want him to? eliminate Thibault, like Korkmaz got going, but I think that was mainly because they were out running in transition and he was the beneficiary of that. You're going to put him on Seth Curry. Okay, I feel like, again, you're kind of wasting Dort because you just got to watch him beyond the arc. It's the opposite of Simmons. So it's really interesting. And Christine, for for a vast majority of this game, I I think the Thunder started slow. But otherwise, let me read you some of this stuff. At halftime, the Thunder were out shooting the 76ers from the floor uh, 52.4% to 52.1%. They had a huge advantage, 44% threes. Philly was only hitting 24. Rebounds were about the same. Assists were dead even. And Philadelphia led by 13 points. So does that boil down to, what, two things? The Thunder turned the ball over a whole lot. But also, Christine, this is just a good Sixers basketball team. And you have to... The Thunder's A game just isn't going to get it done if Philly comes to play like they did tonight. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because when you look at it percentage-wise, they were shooting very similarly. But what was different between the Thunder's game and the 76ers game was the 76ers were getting a lot more shots off. So even though the efficiencies were the same, when you get more shots, you're going to make more of those shots. So that's kind of where you see the difference there in their level of play. And I think that just goes back to the 76ers perimeter defense was so strong. The Thunder just couldn't seem to feel comfortable shooting from behind the arc. So they attacked the paint a lot more, which obviously is a higher percentage shot. So good for them to be able to get into the lane that often. But you got to be able to switch up that game to keep the defense guessing. And so I think that was the main issue with the Thunder tonight. And you saw it in the amount of turnovers they had. At one point, they had about 20 turnovers. They, they had eight and, in the third quarter alone. Yeah. yeah. And the 76ers capitalized on that by 31 points. Like, when you are giving up 31 points just based off of turnovers, you're not going to win a game. And so even though the Thunder were shooting very well, it just... They couldn't make up for the amount of turnovers they were causing on offense. Yeah, the final numbers there, 23 turnovers for the Thunder. And like you said, uh, they tacked on one more uh, 32 points off turnovers. In comparison, Philly only turned it over nine times. Thunder only cashed in for nine points off turnovers. Christine, you talked about that perimeter defense. Matt, I kind of feel like that was the biggest wake-up call for some of these younger Thunder players. I think the starters handled it okay, but you really saw once you got into that second unit, any time this kind of, it was wild. It felt like every time a Thunder player, Simmons, got switched onto them, they just like paused and, and like froze up and were like, oh gosh, let's, okay, we need to back this all the way out and think through this. And, and that just really killed, like there wasn't that ball movement we've become accustomed to seeing from the Thunder tonight. 
Right, and I know there's. It's uh, I guess it's a lot of fun to to meme and make fun of Ben Simmons because he he can't shoot or he won't shoot. Like I get it. It's fun to make fun of that, I guess. But he's still one of the top like twenty twenty five players in this league, and his defense is a huge part of it. Yeah, he's six ten, just long and athletic and quick for his size, like. And just just plays suffocating defense, so I get it's fun. It's fun to make fun of Ben Simmons because he can't shoot it. Okay, cool. But he can do everything else that you want on the basketball floor. So uh, yeah, no. In that uh, yeah, like you said, anytime anyone got got Ben Ben Simmons switched onto it, there is it, uh, it was like a hot potato. Like get this it's out like, of my it, hand. Never mind. Get never this mind. out of my hand. It remind me of uh, the lovely biographical film Semi Pro um, <laughs> in the in the very beginning. <laughs> When uh, you know ABA legend Jackie Moon, the uh, only if you want it, only if you want it. No, 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 no. I don't want. It, I don't want it. Uh, none of the Thunder players wanted it as soon as Ben Simmons got switched onto them. But uh, real quick, Matt, let's let's switch back. There's a certain guy I, I want to talk a little bit more about, but I'm interested to see who everyone's nominees are for Player of the Game. Now the franchise Thunder Player of the Game, brought to you by Volkswagen of Edmond. And because chivalry is not dead, Christine, lead the way. I'm going to go with Darius Baisley tonight. You know, he definitely proved to everyone that his presence was missed. And he fit into the lineup again almost perfectly. He led the Thunder with 17 points, also got nine rebounds Eight of those were defensive, had five assists, one steal, and he shot very efficiently, even shot 75% from behind the arc. So he came out strong tonight and kind of made everyone realize how much they missed him. Yeah, Matt, would you go with Baisley as well? Yeah, I'd also go with Baisley because, and we talked about this on a post game. I, I know I talked about this, about this on a post game not that long ago. Uh, I think Brady was saying, like, I don't know, who who do you want to see come back? And mine was Darius Baisley because I think I, I really wanted to see him as like the guy down this like this stretch without with, with Shea probably going to miss a whole lot of time. Um, I, I wanted to see Darius Baisley. I thought that this would this it would hurt him if he didn't play the rest of this year. Right. It would it would be completely negative uh, if he didn't play the rest of this year because we expected him to take a step this year and. He did for a game, and then he would have a couple bad games. He, right. he'd, 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 you know, progress one game and then have a couple more bad games. So I, I wanted to see him come in and be the guy. Uh, he had nine turnovers tonight, which not great, not great. But first game back, and I'm surprised he played 36 minutes. I thought that they were going to have uh, him on a, I don't know, a minutes restriction. Well, you know those um, those uh, one month shoulder contusions yeah, are pretty right. dangerous. Pretty dangerous, but um. Yeah, no, I assume against the, I don't know, uh, lesser teams that these guys yeah. will have that these guys will have minutes restrictions. Yeah, that's my thing because against the 76ers, I don't think you need to put any of these players in yeah, a no. minutes restric- restriction. No. Like they're just not going to win this game. But exactly. when they're playing those uh, borderline teams and those teams where you really need to lose to to make sure you maintain that top five lottery hope. I think you're going to see some minute restrictions on him and Lou Dort since he's back. And if SGA is back by then, you'll probably see it on him as well. <laughs> definitely. Definitely with Shea. Yeah, I got to be honest, though. I didn't expect Darius Baisley to come out as strong as he did tonight. I thought we were going to see great. him. I thought we were going to see him kind of fold under not not being used to playing. And since there's so many different players than when he was playing like a month ago coming into this game, I didn't know if he was going to fit in well with them, but he just... And confident, too. Exactly. He looked extremely confident tonight, which he ha- he didn't really... The, I don't know. Whenever he'd have like... He'd start off a, ba- a game bad, he, he looked kind of down on himself. The body language wasn't Mm-hmm. Wasn't what you wanted it to be, but he looked he looked confident out there tonight. Also, shout out Tony Bradley. I was about to say yeah. uh, Darius Baisley is as well as my player of the game. Tony Bradley, the only other guy that I think deserves some credit for his double double there. As you know, as Joel Embiid said himself, build around Tony Bradley. But guys, I, I think we shouldn't be surprised, honestly, by what Baisley did tonight, and that's because, like you said, over the past month the roster has changed. And, and what's been the conversation, at least in my view? Yes, Baisley's had a bit of a sophomore slump, but also who are the centers that he's been playing beside 
this season. Al Horford, Mike Muscala in a pinch, Isaiah Roby, all of those guys are not your traditional plant themselves under the bucket center. They, they kind of want to stretch, get out on the perimeter. And while they can all do that really well, I don't think that's the best kind of center for Baisley to get slotted beside because uh, I really think we saw it tonight, especially in that first quarter. A lot of people were praising Moses Brown. I don't think Moses Brown played that well against Joel Embiid. I thought that, um, you know, two he had six quick points. Two of those buckets were 100% on Darius Baisley attacking the lane and then having that option of Joel Embiid peeled off of Moses Brown. And Brown deserves the credit for recognizing that and moving into a spot where Baisley could get him the ball. But I, I thought that because Baisley had those guys beside him, he was he was more confident defensively. He wasn't being asked to be that rim protector, which he's not. And he, he kind of felt more like he could stay out on the perimeter and attack because there were just less guys out on the perimeter. I think, ironically, it's one of those situations where usually when you talk about floor spacing, you're talking about clearing guys out of the lane, planting Moses Brown or Tony Bradley right by the bucket. I think that helped Bays out a ton. Well, yeah, we've been saying all season, right, that he shouldn't be in a five position. And since he's being had to be forced to play there whenever Al Horford would be on the bench, you were seeing him get into a lot of situations that he definitely wasn't comfortable with. But bringing him out and being able to play a four, possibly a three, you're seeing him be a lot more comfortable on the ball. And his court vision is so much better from that perspective than versus when he's in the lane. And that's why you're seeing him make so many plays along with Moses Brown because he was able to suck the defense into him. But he's so powerful that they do feel like they need to be drawn into Darius Baisley. And then he can just easily to Moses Brown down low. And that's where Darius Baisley thrives. So it was good to see him be able to be in that position. And I hope that that will continue. I just don't know now that with Poku going to the bench after, um, was it the second quarter? Yeah, he he uh, had the locker room in the second quarter, didn't come back. We'll get into Poku's night in the next segment. But I, I do think that... Uh, of Baisley's turnovers, five of them came in the third quarter. I do think he did have another adjustment of being like, oh crap, I am the only playmaker out here now without Pokashevsky. Well, yeah, and that I think also falls back on Teo Maladon not having the night that he was supposed to have, I don't think. We've seen him kind of go through the motions a little bit. He hasn't been as efficient as he needs to be, and his distribution hasn't been that good. And we can talk about that more into this um, probably the second segment because I thought Ty Jerome showed a little bit more of finesse than Teo Maladon did from that position and having Darius Baisley basically had to take on a lot of the pressure of being the playmaker tonight because he looked so good probably ended up contributing to the fact that his third quarter ended up kind of dipping below and then he was able to pick it back up in the fourth just a little roller coaster like this season really uh, Thunder 117 to 93 losers to the Philadelphia 76ers. Like Christine said, on the other side, we're going to peel apart the quarter and a half that Alexei Pokashevsky had, and uh, we'll dig into some Teo Maladon. And you know, hopefully, technology permitting, we'll take commander of the game. All that and more coming up next on your first take Thunder post game show here on 1077 the franchise. Welcome back to the Oklahoma City Thunder First Take Thunder postgame show presented by TotallyTickets.com on 107.7 The Franchise. All I asked for was a freaking rotating chair, okay? Okay, 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 okay. Getting a little afraid. I need an old priest and a young priest. The power of Christ compels you. Week, man. Lost another legend. Tough, tough week during that. So, uh, first off, welcome back to the Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, first take Thunder post game show here on 107 Franchise Thunder. 117 and 93 losers to the 76ers. Six straight. Lou Dort, Darius Baisley returned. We'll get back to him in a second. I'm Ryan Chapman, joined by Christine Butterfield and Matt Burton. All that's out of the way. Okay. First time out tonight in the Chesapeake Energy Arena. My man, in house DJ. Hardest job in the biz goes hard. The DMX tribute mix. You got a little Rough Riders anthem, little uh, party up. X gonna give it to you. It mm-hmm. was, it was magnificent. 
And uh, just just a bummer when that happens, guys. I just I hate it. Gone too soon. Always gone too soon. Rest in peace. Rest in peace. But rest in the most peace. Uh, transition, guys. <laughs> speaking of music, I am a frequent music festival goer. Summer comes around. The festival scene, Bonnaroo, Austin City Limits, Hangout Fest, Backwoods here in Oklahoma. All of that has prepared me for this. You leave the house. You have but one humble fanny pack. Christine, what do you toss in your fanny pack? Phone, credit card, ID, lip gloss. Probably is all I need. Really? Okay, Matt. All right. Matt, what? I always need that. Phone wallet, for sure. Go in the fanny pack. Um, I would say... Well, I can't say that on there. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. uh, Maybe a flask, actually. Yeah. Actually, uh, yeah. I need a flask in mine. For Um, sure. Pocket shots. Yeah, yeah, water. Water. Gotta stay hydrated at the festivals. Two different kinds of people. See, here's the deal. Gotta stay hydrated at the festival. Hydrate or dehydrate. You, first off, leave. You're now banished. Secondly, you're afforded, like, you can wear, like, the uh, the hydration pack. The camelback. The the camelback. So you don't need water in your fanny. I don't need that. Okay, No, you don't. Here's Here's what you need in your fanny. Obviously, phone, wallet, keys. Yes, Just make keys. sure that's all oh, yeah, safe. Yeah, yeah. Um, and when I say wallet, that of course means some method of payment, some sort of identification. Yes, awesome. Sunscreen, that's a big one. If you get the right size bottle, you can fit it inside the fanny pack as well as a koozie. Put the Ooh, koozie on the call. sunscreen, pop that in there. That way, whenever you're going about and you're beveraging, you've already got your camelback on your back, you're beveraging, got the koozie, pop it out there. All that to say, Alexei Pokashevsky, for the Thunder tonight, there were reports in the pregame as he's going through warm-ups that he might have picked up a little knock on his shoulder, went back to the locker room, actually came back out, started for the Thunder Gave it about a quarter and a half before his night was done. Mark Dagnalt in the postgame just said that he gives Pokashevsky a lot of credit he was feeling it all night long but attempted to play through it. And then he had just some extra contact there as the second quarter was coming to a close. He was unable to return. But guys, that wasn't that wasn't what concerned me. I don't know if even concerning is the right word. I, I kind of want to talk about Poku just because he, he drew the matchup with Ben Simmons tonight defensively. And... Look, Ben Simmons, in, in the first quarter, he got 10 of his 12 first-half points in the first quarter. Second quarter, when Poku was off of him, he only scored two more points. And a lot of that was because Mans was just picking him up at the three-point line. I'm just like, of anyone, no, sink off him, right. sag, let him go. And, and I guess, guys, that just kind of shows you that as great as he's been offensively between the ears and just understanding defensively some stuff, Christine, there, there's just a ways that Poku still has to go. Yeah, there's a little bit of a disconnect on the defensive end for him. And I think you're going to see that for a while until he really figures out how to move his body correctly because that's a lot of what defense is. It's coordination and timing. And coordination is one of Poku's biggest disadvantages in basketball right now. And he's just going to take time to be able to learn how to fit into his body as it kind of grows and he figures that out and you saw it again tonight against Ben Simmons and it didn't help that he was playing through um, an uncomfortable injury. For sure. So just all of those variables tied in together, it's going to amount for kind of a disaster. And I don't even blame him really because yes, he should have looked at the scouting report for Ben Simmons, but I don't really expect a lot from Poku defensively at this stage in his development. So ultimately, it just it is what it is with him. Yeah, absolutely. That's been the good thing, Matt, about the Poku experience is you feel like all the intangibles, like playmaking, that is something that's very hard to teach. You, you either have that mind, that creativity, or you don't. His shot creation, his ability to make some space for himself. I thought he actually adjusted pretty well as that first quarter went on, realizing okay, Ben Simmons is a lot longer than even he looks on tape. You saw him kind of get used to that. So I guess, Matt, that's why I say maybe concern's a bit harsh because right now the negatives for Poku as a rookie really only playing half a season are all the things that you can fix as a coach with time. Yeah, that's that's the main thing is just time. He just needs time. That's it. That's it. He needs time to grow into his body 
like Christine was saying. Like he's he's nineteen and probably what been seven foot for a year or two. Maybe. Like, yeah. So I mean, and he's still able to make some of the plays that we've seen on offense. And with defense I've noticed he he's not a terrible defender. Like he's not like terrible, but I wouldn't say he's good. I think his size can make up for some some problem. Like sometimes we've seen him get beat and then he makes a block. Because yeah. he's so long and tall and he's he can he can jump a little bit for how for how tall he is. Like so he he needs to get get out of that mindset like that his size and athleticism can like get him out of situations, right? He he doesn't need to get himself beat and then oh crap, like I got to make this nice block. Like that needs to that needs to stop and he's not going to he's not going to make the like make those blocks against Ben Simmons. Like it's just not going to happen. I just don't even really see him being a big threat defensively for a while if really ever I think that his biggest skill set is going to come offensively and if he can make a few big defensive stops here and there within a game I think that would be like a great way to round out his game I don't really see him being his link just needs threat. to give people problems he just needs yeah. to give people fit he doesn't doesn't need to be Lou Dort out there like that's, he doesn't not. have to be that I'm about to commit the cardinal sin in Thunderland okay but do you, you know bash Russell Westbrook <laughs> Okay, the 1B. Uh, Say so you oh, like okay. Kevin Durant? 1B. Yeah. Poku's defense reminds me a lot of young Kevin Durant, of a guy that is really long, starts out playing on the wing, and defensively, on ball, it wasn't great, but here's where Kevin is much better. Obviously, totally different stratosphere of just quality of player, but just speaking defensively, um, Kevin just has that feel. You know what I mean? That you could tell, even though it wasn't awesome to start with, in the big moments, he was putting himself in the right spot. Did he always make the play? No. Now you see as he's become a seasoned veteran, even fighting through the injuries and stuff, he's usually there to make the play and is a plus defender uh, normally when he's locked in. So that, that's kind of what it reminds me of, of a guy that he, he's missing that feel for it. But but like you guys said, for the most part, when you're defending, if you're, especially if you're defending the three, you've probably got the size on people. So just use your link to your advantage. Just make sure you know when to close out to, to add that extra just just uh, difficulty with the hand in your face. Know when to pop that hand up in the passing lane because you can close off more angles than your average bore playing the small forward just due to your length, all that stuff. Like, And I think he's going to be fine. That's what Mark Dagnall, the plan for him initially early in the season was Start him out on the wing, and then you know maybe as his career progresses, you can move him closer and closer to the bucket. Then I think injuries and just not having a real center forced him kind of into that duty early. So again, this is not something that's like panic button. I just think it is notable that, um, look, this is a, a guy going through his first run in the NBA, the first time the Thunder have played the 76ers. Uh, my biggest concern was just like, that's a scouting report. That, like ever, like everyone forever has joked, like all you have to do is put a foot in the paint on Ben Simmons and, and just make him beat you other ways. So that was interesting. Another thing I thought was interesting, guys, and Christine, you kind of touched on this. Lou Dort, coming back to the lineup, he kind of played a lot more point guard than I thought. After Teo Maldon was running the show, Christine, uh, what do you think kind of went into that? Was it a matter of you think they were just trying to put Lou Dort in a new position? Um, was it just that Teo Maldon wasn't great early? Why do you think Lou Dort played so much point guard and we didn't see as much Teo? I think it's just because Teo hasn't been the strongest point guard of date, <laughs> you know, frankly, like I'm not saying that his playmaking ability is bad because I do think he has a good court vision for sure. I just think that his execution lately has been kind of spotty. Also, his shot selection has been very poor and that's shown in his efficiency too. like tonight. He was three of 11 from the floor. Like he just just not take smart shots for himself or create smart shots for himself. He's able to see wh- who's open, and distribute the ball well. But other than that, I don't think he has that extra oomph and finesse to his game yet. And that's just probably because he's so young. But I think that's why you kind of saw players like Ty Jerome as well as Lou Dort come in offensively and say, you know what, I think we're going to be able to make plays here and there. Lou Dort, obviously, I think has had a little bit more time chemistry-wise with these guys, more chemistry-wise with the players in the practice and in court. So 
I think he has a better feel for the game as it is right now. And even though he's not the best dribbler by any means, I do think he also has a really good court vision. And I think that he, at this point, execution-wise, is a little bit stronger. I also think the reason why you saw him playing more of a point guard tonight was because he was making more of an effort to get his shot. And he, I don't think, wanted to count on Teo Maladon to pass him the ball. I think he wanted to put his own future in his hands and make sure that he got the shot that he wanted. So I think that's kind of why you saw him get into a more um, confident point guard role. And maybe he was just also trying to make up for the fact that SGA wasn't in and he knew that he had to kind of get up on the on the points there if they should have a chance in staying competitive in this game. Um, so I think all those reasons combined are why he kind of decided to have a more important role with the Thunder tonight. I would also just add one more reason, too. I think, I think, you know, with, with having no expectations of winning, sure. right? especially now in the season when, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's, it was painfully obvious before the year. Now it's even more painfully obvious. <laughs> um, but it gives you room to experiment a little bit. You can experiment having Lou Dort play some point. You can experiment having uh, Darius Baisley as your main guy out there trying to make everything happen. You can experiment in different things. So I think um, them having kind of no expectations and kind of just go out there and play. You know, like go out there and play. Let's try some new things. Let's see it. Let's see if Lou Dort could be a serviceable like point guard whenever Shea's not there. Like let's let's see some things. So I think it, it could have been a little bit of that as well. Yeah, I'm actually kind of surprised at something that I, I tossed to you guys earlier this season of, look, it's it's the repositioning, whatever you want to call it. It's the season where you're making everyone a little bit uncomfortable. The Thunder famously did this with Terrence Ferguson in Summer League, said you're not going to be a point guard, but let's put you on the ball and see what happens. I just wondered if we would see more of that this year with with when SGA would go to the bench when he was still playing, stuff like that, just because, look, put Lou Dort in that position so that two or three years from now, he's just that much more well-rounded of a player. Real quick, guys, uh, before we get to tank commander of the game, this did come out in the post-game availability. Darius Baisley uh, shed a little light on what his injury actually was. He said he had a fractured scapula. I had no idea what that was. Googled it. It's your Isn't shoulder it? blade. Yeah, okay. It's your shoulder blade. So the what was listed as a shoulder contusion turned out to be actually a fractured shoulder blade. So I think we're kind of finding out, guys. I know that there's the big joke about, okay, every time anyone starts playing well, they end up in the injury report, all that stuff. I just think it's interesting that George Hill still hasn't played for the Philadelphia 76ers. We all kind of were speculating, oh, what's his thumb thing? Darius Baisley actually had a fracture in his shoulder as opposed to just being a contusion holding him out longer. Maybe we need to just continue to use that sarcasm font because it seems like the Thunder training staff is on top of things. Yeah, I kind of like using the sarcastic font. No, the sarcastic font's way more fun. Yeah. I just think it's important that we all... We can clarify. I'm happy we finally got an answer, though. Yeah, we can clarify. It is sarcasm. Right. Yeah, because... For a while, it just seemed like, okay, what does contusion even mean? Is this a, a real thing? Just like, how, how deep is that bruise? The Thunder exactly. lied on an injury report? Wow. What? what? No way. Since uh, when? Couldn't have. Couldn't have. All right. Look, this is why you tune in. If you are still listening after a 117 to 93 loss to the Philadelphia 76ers, this segment right here is the one for you. Matt, hit it. We're good. Tanking! Yeah! Yeah, sorry. Sorry, we're going, we're going tanking! Through the quad and into the gymnasium! Come on, everybody! Ah, and how glorious it was. Once again, Chivalry's not dead. Christine, who was your tank commander of the game? I kind of spoke about Teo Maladon tonight. I really just think that his game was not where it needed to be. And I'm tempted to say Kenrich Williams, but I do think that Teo Maladon should have looked better tonight, especially with Darius Baisley being back, having Lou Dort back as well, to have players to really 
trust to make points for the team and just not being able to utilize them to the best of his abilities. And also his shot selection was just so poor again. I already said it before, but he was 3 of 11 from the floor. So he's got to be mine for sure. Matt? Yeah, it's probably a little Teo Maladon. I just want to say Svi Makai Luke just to make Christine mad. Um, Always a valid uh, reason to do anything on this show. <laughs> right. And uh, I knew this was coming. It's probably, I, I really wanted to pick Kenrich Williams though, but I don't know. I, and then, like, I don't blame Moses Brown for having a bad game. He was going against Joel Embiid, so I, I really don't blame Moses Brown for not having. A great statistical game. I will say... Because Joel Embiid is on a different planet right now. Yeah, he definitely is. I will say, I know that Poku was injured, but I think that Darius Baisley fit in a little bit better with Moses Brown tonight than he did with Poku on the floor. Oh, I'm absolutely going Moses Brown. And here's the thing. Yes, it's Joel Embiid. I get it. But Joel Embiid's the kind of center Moses Brown's supposed to be good against. Joel Embiid is not... Like, yes... He is, uh, he's added a little bit of range to his game, but he, he's not that guy that wants to live on the perimeter. Moses Brown is, he cannot face up against anyone on the perimeter. He's supposed to stay planted by the bucket, and he was just used and abused. It was ugly, ugly, ugly. I get that Joel Embiid's really good, but like, that's supposed to be the guy you're supposed to match up against. So, uh, when you get played off the floor like that and Bradley comes in, uh, you are the tank commander of the game for me. I don't know. Joel Embiid does that to a lot of guys. He does that to a lot of guys. And Moses Brown is very kind of, he's kind of low-key brand new right now to this Thunder lineup. No, yeah, I'm like, just because just you're tank commander of the game one night doesn't mean you're doomed. I'm just saying. No, I think that's, that's exactly what it means, right? That's, well, that's true. I think you have a personal vendetta against Moses Brown. Wow. Low-key. Can't little, believe you're so harsh on him. I think he's a little overrated. Even hmm. as a guy that was just added to the roster from two-way. Can't believe he couldn't stop Joel Embiid. Just saying. Wow, just put him back to the G League. Obviously, he has a far way to go. I just, I, guys, I saw a lot of people talking about how great Moses Brown was playing. Homie had six points. I'm not, I'm not sitting there. I, I'm not saying, I'm not saying anyone on this post game show was saying those things. You should stop focusing on that and start focusing on how bad Sfima Kylie was. No, okay. we don't need to go there. <laughs> okay. That's not, that's not important. You know, I, I don't need to defend him. He really wasn't that bad, I don't think. He wasn't that bad tonight, honestly. <laughs> All I'm saying is, in the first quarter, people were saying how much Moses Brown was attacking Joel Embiid. Homie had 10 points, 4 rebounds, and was a plus 13. He really wasn't that aggressive offensively. It just was based off of Darius Baisley's good ball movement. Before. Correct. Um, Moses Brown, tank commander of the game. Also, just real me. quick, shout out to William Davis on Twitter. He said, shout out to the best Thunder postgame show out there. I'm not even a Thunder fan, but franchise is as good as it gets. Also... Matt Burton, Chris but- Christine Butterfield, uh-huh. Chris Chris Butterfield, as we call her, as I call her, <laughs> only me, and uh, and Ryan Chapman, doing an incredible job, and I try to listen after each game. Tremendous job, guys. Also love the DMX tribute. Thanks for Thank being you, a real one, William. William. I appreciate it. Yeah, we appreciate you, man. Thanks we love, for listening. We love William. We listen to all your tweets. You're the best. This um, is a pro William Davis post game. Yes, we are. Officially. We are very very pro William Davis. Up next. We've got Matt Burton's Time to Shine. It's going to take us around the association. We'll take a little look ahead to the Thunder's upcoming schedule and put a bow on Oklahoma City's sixth straight loss. One more segment coming up. Keep it locked in right here on the Franchise First Take Thunder Post Game Show. Welcome back to the Oklahoma City Thunder First Take Thunder Post Game Show. Presented by TotallyTickets.com on 107.7 The Franchise. Majestic Wolf Lamp and his family. This is Galco, which is Hebrew for kindness. Welcome back. That's a mage. 4, 10, 21. We got, Ryan, PM. we got Ryan Radosevich in the studio right now, standing up. The Masters <laughs> are going on. On yeah. tape delay somewhere. Love you. Check, out, check out the Twitter. He's verified. Love you. Franchise Eddie. Thunder post game show. There was a first take in there that I missed. First take Thunder post game show. One seventeen to ninety three. Thunder are losers to the Philadelphia 76ers. Darius Baisley and Lou Dort return to the lineup. Seventeen points, nine boards 
for the former New Balance intern Darius Baisley. He did have a little bit of the turnover bug, five turnovers in the third quarter alone. But with Pokashevsky missing, it made sense. He was pressing a little bit, trying to make some plays to get the Thunder to claw back into the game. Lou Dort, 15 points, five rebounds in his return from the concussion protocol. Mr. Bradley, his first double-double in Thunder colors, 16 points, 14 boards. The Thunder did hold Joel Embiid to uh, not a double-double, though. 27 points and 9 rebounds. I think that is a minor victory, don't you? 100%. Uh, Yeah, definitely. I talked with uh, Daniel, who... um, Daniel Bell. Daniel Bell, friend of the... uh, Friend of the franchise? Yes. Sure. Yes, he works uh, for Black Sports Online. Go give him a follow on the Twitter machine. He's fantastic. We were talking pregame today, and we both agreed that if the Thunder were able to limit him to under 30 points, it would be a win. And so I guess the Thunder technically won because they tanked. Yes, and the, thun- the Thunder won him. on all fronts. Yeah, besides actually winning. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, but now it's the moment everyone has been waiting for. Matt, oh my gosh, hold on, hold on. The Braves are on Sports Center right now. Oh, what's not they won. important. They won, didn't they? They won, didn't they? Chop, baby. Let's Keep go. chopping. Beat this the Phillies. The, this is the problem with whenever Ryan gets to go, co-host the First Take Thunder postgame show because he brings in his Atlanta yeah. fandoms I'm, into here. I'm and glad I, it's the Braves this no, time. No, um, I'm not here for it. Reigning National League MVP Freddie Freeman went cool. yard. Sure. Uh, He also grounded into, he grounded what should have been a fielder's choice with the bases loaded, and the Philadelphia Phillies stinket baseball screwed up the force out at home for the game-winning run. Shut up. Matt, take us around association. It's a real shame the Phillies are paying all that money to Bryce Harper. Just to suck still. Bryce Hooper, don't you mean? Bruce Hooper. Did you see him, that fan yelling at him? who awesome. was saying Ronald Acuna's name wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Bryce Harper was just like, you're saying his name wrong, dude. <laughs> Put on. some respect on his name. Shout out to... Come on. Have you seen the Phillies' father and son in the outfield the last couple of days, though? I have not. No. So there was a, a father and son Phillies fan. The games were being played in Atlanta. Um, the, the home run went to basically the, the turf farm in dead center field. <laughs> and the uh, Braves employee tossed the baseball up. And the son, like... I did see that. The son missed the catch. And so the dad, like, everyone's kind of haggling him. And the dad literally puts up his hood and, like, puts his hands up. And he's like, he's not with me. Not with me. They eventually get him the ball. And then it was a Braves homer. So the kid went and found a a Braves fan that was a youth and gave him the home run ball. Shout out to the Phillies fans. Anyway, around the association. Around the association, the Toronto Bay Raptors uh, get a win in Cleveland. 135 to 115. It's a bittersweet result for Thunder fans. I know. You you firmly get the seventh place right now with the because it was a tie it was tied with Toronto. So you firmly get the seventh place. Toronto goes to the eighth best odds. But Cleveland, 19 and 33. Thunder half game back. Thunder half game back from Cleveland right now. Thunder are so one and twenty nine. and thirty three. Yeah, but uh Gary Trent Jr. led the way with for uh, for Toronto Bay, and uh, had 44. Oh my! 44 oh my. for Gary Trent Jr. tonight. Uh, former wow. Duke Blue Devil. That's not important, but just it's a fact. really it's uh, just a fact, though. It's really um, not relevant to this conversation. But it's a fact, anyways. The uh, Los Angeles Lakers get a win over the Brooklyn Nets in Brooklyn tonight, 126 to 109. Now, uh, Dennis Schroeder and Kyrie Irving got ejected for trash talking each other. Christy and I were talking about this off air in the last break. It's the NBA. There's already no LeBron James and no Anthony Davis in this game on the Lakers side. I didn't sign up to watch Kyrie and Dennis Schroeder get the boot. They're just talking trash. Let the players play, man. Let the players play. Go go play in the murals, brother. Stupid. Like this like this isn't middle school. Just let them let them talk. They're not gonna punch each other, right? I don't care to watch you referee. I came to watch basketball be played. I hate that. Hate that stuff. Anyways, the Utah Jazz get a win in Utah against the Sacramento Kings, 128 to 112. Uh, De'Aaron Fox had 30 for the Kings, and Donovan Mitchell with 42, a light 42. 
next up to for the get Thunder. the victory. Um, and De'Aaron Fox, had, De'Aaron Fox had an insane dunk over uh, Gobert tonight. So I would suggest go looking up that highlight if you like uh, insane dunks. Would that be the real win for the Thunder when they uh, head to Utah? Trade if, for De'Aaron Fox? Well, if Pokashevsky oh, posterizes Rudy Gobert. Thunder yes. could lose by 50 if Poku yes. posterizes Rudy Gobert. The Thunder win. Really, if just anyone po- posters Rudy Gobert uh, after what he did. Man. Rudy Gobert. A couple games in progress. Uh, the Phoenix Suns are going to win this one. Uh, just by it's just a matter of how much they're up 134 to 106 with about 45 seconds left in the fourth quarter um, beating the Washington Wizards also bad result for Thunder fans it's a good result for Thunder fans right no the Wizards are losing Wizards are losing oh yes Wizards are losing Wizards are going to fall to 19 and 33 I believe the Thunder 20 and 33 yes they're tonight they're the Thunder will be half a game back of the Wizards in the sixth seed and the Cavs the Cavs fell to uh, 19 and 32 I think 19 and 33 somewhere around there I don't know the reverse six seed Russ Westbrook had 17 14 assists and 11 rebounds for those Thunder fans that care about that Um, the Golden State Warriors are ahead right now of the Houston Rockets, 116 to 107, with about two and a half minutes left to go in that one. John Wall has 30 for the Rockets, Steph Curry with 33. And uh, one more game in progress, just about four minutes left in this one. Blazers are up 111 to 97 in Portland against the Detroit Pistons. Yeah, let's, yeah, Blazers, Pistons. That. This let's, is let's, the, let's get a little get a little hype in here for that game. This is the worst possible outcome for Thunder fans. They are doing their part, like we said, one and nine over the last ten games, and everyone else around them just keeps on losing. Like, I'd rather have competitive Thunder back, like even in a loss, competitive Thunder losses than this procession here, followed by everyone else losing basketball game. It also, just makes it not worth it. Also, by the way. Uh, Ennis Cantor has uh, 22 points and 26 rebounds tonight for the Trailblazers so far. How does one... So, good for Ennis Cantor. Just doing Ennis Cantor things, um, getting a lot of points and rebounds, and probably not playing much defense. (laughs) No, there's no way that kid's playing defense right now. (laughs) You can't play him. was around the association. Matt, thank you very much. You're so welcome. Real quick, guys, real quick, before we dig into the schedule ahead... Like Matt alluded to, the Thunder are currently in the reverse seven seed at 20 and 33. They have the seventh best lottery odds. What does that equate to, Ryan? They have a 7.5% chance at landing the number one overall pick if the season ended today. They are tied for Washington. Right now, once that game goes final, Washington will have a half game lead. The other one of note. The Houston Rockets, Christian Wood came back, and they continue to lose. Right now, they are the reverse two seed, second best odds to get the number one overall pick. They are two and eight, and of course, they have to fall all the way to five in the actual lottery for that pick to convey to the Thunder. So there you have it. There is your lottery odds as we close down the rest of the season. Guys, let's look at the week week ahead. Next four games for the Thunder. On Tuesday, they head to Utah before coming back home. On the second night of a back-to-back, they will host the Golden State Warriors inside the Chesapeake Energy Arena before headed on Friday out to Detroit and then Sunday out to Toronto Bay, and I'm going to cheat and throw in Washington on Monday because we just talked about it. This could be a very big week for the Thunder trying to pin some W's on teams that uh, they're trying to get to win some games so they can get better lottery odds. Christine, do you think that Lou Dort and Darius Baisley's reintroduction to the lineup will end the Thunder's trend of uh, losing to some of these teams like Detroit and Toronto? Over next week? Possibly, yeah. I think that's where the <laughs> the minutes are going to really play a big part into these next upcoming games because if the Thunder are serious about tanking and really trying their hardest to get into that top five lottery draft pick, they're going to want to limit Darius Baisley and Lou Dort's playing time in those games against Detroit, Toronto, Washington, um, 
and any and any other teams kind of on the ball, bubble moving up, possibly also the Warriors even in there. So I think that because if you keep them in like 36 minutes like Darius Basley played tonight, they're probably going to beat Detroit and also Washington possibly, depending on how Russell Westbrook's playing. So if they're serious, you're not going to see those players play a lot. If they're not serious, then... I guess we'll just see what their future holds. Yeah, Matt, they've got that holy trinity, Detroit, Toronto, and Washington, all in the road, all in a row. Feeling, uh, is there any possible way they eke out a one and two over those three games? Oh, I think it's definitely possible. Um, I, I would I would just be surprised. I'm anxious to see on that first game. Who, who do they play first out of those three? Uh, so it's at Detroit okay. on Friday. So Detroit will be telling because if... If Darius Baisley plays more than like twenty minutes, I would be I would be very surprised. Mm-hmm. He played thirty six tonight. I'm assuming he's probably going to play about the same against Utah. But against those against those three teams right there in a row, I I would be very surprised if he gets more than twenty twenty five minutes. I would say yeah, he's going to be around twenty four minutes. I could see him playing for around half of the game. And the other thing is, and like majority in the first and third quarter. It's yeah. like how many how how many points are these guys worth too? Because uh, the the Thunder just played Detroit, lost a hundred and thirty two to one oh eight. Like that wasn't particularly close. So I know it's hard to go game to game like that, and especially when you have players missing time, those metrics get thrown out the window. Um, that was kind of the conversation around Montrez Harrell last year. Is his metrics are either undervalued or overvalued, depending on how you're looking at it, when you're missing Kawhi Leonard or Paul George on a, on a night-to-night basis. So it'll be really interesting to see. Tonight, though, the Thunder lost 117-93. to 93. Matt, you have any last thoughts before we sign off for the evening? Uh, no, 76ers are really good, and Thunder aren't. So uh, 76ers, a legit NBA title, uh, fi- not title contenders, but just get to the finals. Can they upend Brooklyn with their defense? I think they can. I, it's It's tough, man, because... It just depends on how Brooklyn plays. Brooklyn is relying on you're not going to out talent us for seven games. It's a, it's a clash in a seven of, game series. You're not going to out talent us. Clash of styles. Like. So it's it's mm-hmm. it's going to be tough to see. It, 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 it'll be interesting to see. I, I would be surprised. Here I'll say this. I would be surprised if the 76ers aren't at least in the Eastern Conference Finals. So Brooklyn Sixers in the East is what Matt believes will happen. Christine, final thoughts on this one. Um, final thoughts. You don't need to guard Ben Simmons that far. Yeah, yeah. Sag on Ben Simmons. The other thing, too, is he only had one assist there in in the second quarter. So it's not even like he was really punishing you for for sagging off him. So interesting. Not really. No. Matt, thank you so much, as always, for your wonderful producing. Follow him on Twitter at I am Matt Burton for all of your Thunder needs at CB on Sports. She's got your stand-up. She's got your practice reports. She's got your rebuild report. She does it all at CB on Sports. I'm Ryan Chapman at Radio's Ryan. Give us all a follow. And if you're wondering, when's the next time you can hear your lovely voice as well? Regular franchise programming resumes on Monday morning at 6 a.m. Tune in for Todd and Eddie, Eddie and Todd, to recap the Masters. Oklahoma hired a women's basketball coach. Lot of news from the weekend, all that regular scheduled programming. And our next postgame show will be Tuesday, another late tip-off as the Thunder head to Utah. 117-93 to for the final time. Was the final here? The 76ers keep trudging, and the Thunder keep doing the same thing in the opposite direction. Thank you all for sticking around. 